right, so we're back with another one. I'm Jay. Tonight we have Captain Keith. What's good? What's good? Oh man, just trying to maintain, bro. <laughs> in yes. the 21st century, in 2021, keeping my head above water, temporary layoff. <laughs> temporary layoff. Good time. <laughs> Easy try to rip off. Rip off. Yeah. <laughs> Good times, ain't we lucky? We got them. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, man. It was a Monday today, bro. On office space. Oh, you got a case on the Mondays. Important to that, but it was a semi-productive day, so you know. And even when I was watching like All American today, you know, there was just two scenes that said the same line about you know, there's so much bad in the world, but you got to make sure you remember all the good that's in. So I have to remind myself of that because I'm usually a half glass half full kind of guy, but sometimes I just get bombarded, man. But you know what? God is good, life is good, it's all good. So it's cool. Right <laughs> you know? yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm good, man. It's just kind of it's woo. <laughs> I feel you. How you doing, man? doing all right man just kind of you know take it day by day you know some days are good and some are not so good but i'm blessed to be here to complain about it so yeah yeah i yeah i feel the same way and it's just yeah man because you know we're gonna be entering into that second mercury retrograde on the 29th so (laughs) right right so just trying to get right before then and just get ready for it put my seatbelt on (laughs) hey buckle up myself that's for sure that's for sure i hear you man i hear you hey man so we're gonna get together we're, we're gonna talk about um so it, i don't know it seemed like the last couple times we've been having conversations about people passing has been done like in pairs and so unfortunately you know we have a, a another two set of uh rappers who passed away recently we had um we had black rob also had shock g and um we'll, we'll, we'll start off with, with, with um, black rob first and um so with black rob you know his his name is robert ross and he was born on june 8th 1968 and he passed away april 17th 2021 um he's a rapper from bad boys you know came out back in the day he came out with, with you know a strong, you know, strong single woe, and it's just it's it's a, it's a it's a it's a trip the way it goes where you're in a situation, you're in a certain lifestyle, and you finally get the the golden ticket or what you believe to be the golden ticket to change your life and to you know you know change your life, and then it's just funny how sometimes even with that ticket it doesn't guarantee success you know and talent doesn't guarantee a long life and um hard work and and dedication don't guarantee appreciation and so you it just it just it really just makes you you know wonder but also it also is a reminder of how important it is to appreciate um, people when they're here and to um, not wait for them to be gone to to celebrate them and appreciate you know what they do what they what they you know and with him in this case it was his uh, it's his music and to and it's funny because I wasn't necessarily a big fan of his first single whoa even though it's very catchy and i liked it and i like the video and stuff um it was like other songs that i really did like more so and he had a lot of songs that I, when i was re-listening to the album um recently just to kind of get back reacquainted with the album i was just surprised how many songs that i remember from like soundtracks and stuff that i that i uh from movies that I watched in the past. I'm like, he was using soundtracks and stuff a lot. And like I said, just re-listening to the whole album again, it was just like, I forgot how how good it was, how soulful it was, um, how great of a storyteller he was. You know, he, um, it was just, it was just very, it's just, it's just funny. It, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's funny um, 
how you could just really like something and then you just kind of you know life happens new things come up and stuff and you just kind of it just kind of drifts away and and, and, and it's unfortunate when something have to happen to to jog your memory or to make you go back and look but um he definitely um had a great contribution and uh he will be missed um but yeah yeah so what, what was your what was your experience with um with black rob um, I love the wall. That was my joint. I love. I couldn't wait to buy the record. I bought the CD, Life Story, and I was shocked and pleasantly surprised at how good that whole record was. And I said to myself, "Why aren't there more singles being pushed?" Right now, mind you, when Woe came out and Puffy's in the video, I believe Black Rob was actually in jail when that video was made and when that single was on the charts. Um, and he did go to jail, I think like in 2004 for a hotel robbery thing. So, you know, he was one of those rappers that, you know, what he rapped about was real. You know, he lived in the streets. He, you know, he had, you know, he, he wasn't faking being someone who was in jail, you know, at some point in his life. Um, he had a great, cool, raspy voice that was just kind of catchy. Outside of the great album, The Life Story Is, it, it's a great concept record, actually, when you listen to it. Uh, I remember him off of, we invented the remix with Bad Boys for Life. Uh, he was great on that, that verse. And I remember him off of um, That's Crazy, the other compilation that Diddy did, did with, with um, uh, For Bad Boy. And it's, he was always a talented guy. I just, I guess what saddens me is I remember when we heard that he had like four strokes and he basically died of like kidney failure. And apparently he had been homeless. I'm like, well, what happened to you? He did two records with Bad Boy, uh, Life Story and the Rob and the Black Rob Report. Right. Black Rob Report is good too for the most part. It's a pretty good album. And he did two more independent records. I didn't know until after he died. He did four albums. Yeah. Only only did the two. And here's what I want to say about that. It doesn't matter how much talent you have, you have to work your your records. You have to look, you have to tour them. Even if you are no longer getting the top 10 commercial treatment, if fans want a reason to come see you and the one thing that always frustrated me about hip hop is like, you had MCs who would tour, but there was never enough MCs on the road. The fact that Black Rob had four records and I didn't know about it until after his death, just kind of saddens me. I'm like, I mean, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know how it got to a point where he had four strokes and died of kidney failure and was possibly homeless. I don't know what happened, I, I don't. But I mean, I, I just know I'm saddened by that. May he rest in peace and may he rest in power and power. But he was a very talented MC. And I'm just like, you know, you're gonna have Fairweather fans and diehard fans. But, you know, I would have loved to have seen him in concert. Never got the opportunity. And I feel like Look, everybody's not gonna make Drake and Jay-Z money or Beyonce money. You don't have to. If you're, you know, a MERS or um, uh, what's his Tech Nine, you have that grassroots following, you're still making your money. You ain't working a day job. There's no reason for Black Rob not to have been like that. I don't know what happened to his life. I'm not judging, I'm just saying, it would have been nice to see him live and know he had more records. I would have bought them. Life Story is a great record the whole, all the way through. So it's just, I, I guess what frustrates me, Jason, is that before hip hop came to fruition, and even before the 70s, you know, in segregated, segregated America, black artists, especially the blues artists, had the Chitlin circuit. They had to play these black clubs down south, and it was a regular thing. And same with the jazz musicians. 
you know, there, there, there was no mainstream exposure, but there was still support from the culture. They got to play these clubs. They got to rely on the talent and, and the recordings. And hip hop is the first black music where black people as artists got paid off of it. They didn't get paid really off of blues or rock and roll or jazz, except for Miles Davis, you know, and a few people here and there, maybe Louis Armstrong. But my point is that before hip hop, before literally before hip hop, black artists toured all the time, whether they were on the radio or not, they understood they were gonna make their money from their touring. And hip hop gave you less records, but more songs on the record. It's a weird thing that happened. So you went from eight songs, from six to eight songs in an LP to 20 and 25 songs, but maybe four records out of that, out of one rap group. So I, I get that, but if you're not, I don't know, I guess what frustrates me is that any independent artist, whether it's in hip hop, like Black Rob or, or, or rock or anything, needs to understand. You have to come into an understanding. You're not on the radio. So how are you gonna make your money? The one thing that all human beings who love music have in common that has been consistent, despite all the music trends that come and go, the ebb and flow, a live show. Human beings who love music still love a live show. That has not, that's been the only consistent thing these past 30, 40, 50 years people still want to be entertained live. And for people in hip hop, some to get that and, and so many who don't, it's just frustrating. So if you know you don't have that bad boy support, but you're able to make two more records, from, from Black Robin even to Lil' Kim, you should be sustaining yourself. And maybe it's because there's not enough attention talked about when it comes to people like MERS and Tech 9 who have that grassroots following, who are, are successful in their own right, Talib quality, they're successful in their own right. They're not mainstream, but they have their fans, they have their following. They're not working day jobs. They're, they're making, they're prolific with their music and they're out there, they're doing shows. So it's just, it's just, I, I wish I knew what happened with his career and how his health got so bad. And we, and we may never know, but I do know that he was a very talented MC. Um, it's just sad because I guess it's, it's the whole, you can drag the horse to the pond, but you can't make him drink the water. And as a human being, I've been the horse and I've been the water. So I, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what happened, I, you know, but may he rest in peace, but he was a talented person. And it's just sad because he was more than just whoa. He really was. Whoa was tough, but what was hot? Whoa was still hot. But Espacio, yeah, I mean, that, that just life story, the whole that's a really good album. And the Black Rap Report's a good album. But I will say this, I will make sure I get his last two records. I do want to have them now and check them out because they're worth listening to, because he was that talented. But but I will say this for black artists, you know, whether they're doing so-called Neo Soul or Hip Hop Today, tour. Look, you know, everybody's not going to be Jay-Z and Beyonce. So stop even thinking that way. Just do the work, get your grassroots, make sure people see you and hear you, you know, and then we'll do the rest. But if you ain't letting us know, if you're not out there performing, you can't get mad when it don't work. I'm not saying that's the case for him, but more could have been done. <laughs> I just said a lot, I guess. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, I just, I just think that you know, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's a two-way street, and you gotta be on the business side, business-minded about stuff. And the thing about it, it seems like a lot of folks, especially, especially with them, them bad boy dudes, it seemed like a lot of them, they were more street dudes that happen to be very talented. And so I think that just don't shut off. Like you don't just become self-efficient. Um, used to things that kind of come in a certain kind of way and then also just as much as and, and like, like I said and also I've heard you know where it's, it's not like necessarily 
easy to get venues and stuff if the, the people who own the venues and stuff don't think they can get their money back or the tickets don't be sold. So it's, it's a whole bunch of it's a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and, but like I said, it's, it's a two way street. It's also before you can't get away from certain things. Like you couldn't get away from that single woe because it's being promoted and pushed so hard. So you know that kind of backing, that kind of support, that's a machine. And so once you don't have it anymore, as much as it is for the artist to try to do the best to be available in some kind of way, you know, because they may not have a connection. Like I said, if they start from the ground up and they have that, they know how that works, they have the connections and there's always this thing of knowing what's going on, the next move kind of thing. But being in a, you know, with a big company and they, um, all that stuff is handled. You just kind of sit back and they, you know, bring the people to you, blah, 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 blah. People are looking and buy magazines to find out when something else is going to come out or whatever, whatever, you know, all those things, all those doors are just open. And so it becomes a whole different thing when you don't have that same kind of support. You can get the music done because they're good at doing music. That's their thing. But the whole marketing and, you know, the hustle and the business part, that might not be you know second nature to them but then like i said it's, it's partly on the, the listeners and stuff as well because you know if your friend is missing after two years you know they did you know you've known them for two years and they disappeared for a month or so then you have to go start kind of looking out and see if they're around because they may have changed their address or phone number so it's a relationship so if you ain't heard from somebody or artist or something that you really dig you know, you got to make a uh, assertive effort to to look out for them. Because I remember it was people that I heard like on the soundtrack. I remember hearing an artist like Anthony Hamilton on the New York Undercover soundtrack. And he did a duet. And I was thinking like, whatever happened to that dude? I looked for that dude for over 10 years with finding him on absolutely nothing. And then when he popped up, he popped up almost 15 years later um, under So So Deaf. And I thought... What in the hell is Jermaine Dupri gonna do with somebody who can sing like Anthony Ham- Hamilton? But I was so- The first album they did was a classic. And I was so happy that he left him alone. He did an introduction that was so, so deafish, but the rest of it was a nice soulful album. And I was so glad that Anthony Hamilton found his way through. But I, I don't think a lot of people are listening. But I, but I don't think people were listening out for him all those years. I know I was. I was constantly checking in on him. I was. All, nah, I didn't all, even know who he was until social media. That's the yeah. Funny I looked. Thing. I looked him up before. It was easy to find stuff on a computer. I remember looking for him. I remember looking up uh, Tammy Lucas. I remember looking for. Um, who else was it? There's a whole bunch of people. Like I, I would just look. I would just sit around and look for them. So sometimes you just got to do that. Because you don't know what's gonna, you just don't, you just don't know. Sometimes they become something and do solo stuff. Sometimes they just kind of, you know, disappear and they just do writing stuff. And you never hear their voice again. But you know, but it's a it's a relationship thing. So if some artists that you used to like back in the day and you remember who they are, give them a look. They might be doing something you just didn't know because they didn't didn't have the reach to reach you. So well, you know. yeah, and you're right. And sometimes it, it gets deceiving because you know we grew up with radio and trusting radio. Yeah. Until it got corporatized. Yeah. So, so and then we start thinking, oh, well, if it's not on radio, they must not be here no more. Right, right. We're assuming it's not. I, yeah, we're assuming right, it's not there because right. it's not being fed to us. So, right. And that's wrong. It's a two way um, street because I know I found a lot of people that I really like just because I went and saw what they were still doing now. Exactly. So, from Life Story, the Mrs. Barry intro is funny. Life Story is a great song. Um, of course, Bo. Um, looking at us like in a spicy you know it just cannot live I mean these are all it's a good con- it's, it's actually a concept record it's, he, it is he, he did a good job it's but you know and then there's a whole oh the bad boy curse it's all Puffy's fault everybody mess with Puffy is gone and dead don't give, don't give me that crap look once Puffy or any executive gives you a deal Get you on the radio. Now that's on you. Once you get a deal, once you have exposure, what are you gonna do? So it, it's man. So you know, yeah, I, I, I don't buy all that. No, you know, and then like I said, Black Rock popped up later off of That's Crazy and Bad Boy for Life, and he had some killer verses. So well, you know, and then he did two with Puffy. 
So I no, uh, uh. Like and then the fact that you have four records, you could have been touring that. You know, people forget Tone Loke had what two hits, and well, he's he's disappeared now, but he 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 stretched that out for a few years, doing what cartoons. He's in a movie with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. He he made a lot from from Wild Thing. <laughs> he did. I don't know where he's at now, but my point being is that it's all about how you utilize who you are and what you got and how you make it work for you. So I mean, it's yeah. So now nah, I mean, it's just it's just really intriguing and disturbing that before hip hop, we had these jazz musicians like John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie. No, uh, Pharaoh. I mean, Pharaoh Sanders, Charlie Parker, all these cats who, you know, they didn't have that kind of exposure. All they had was jazz clubs, and when they weren't performing at the clubs, they were recording records, and they just kept the, the output. Same with BB King. I mean, and Albert King and all those cats. They just Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf. All they had was the performance and the recording. So, but then later on, you get to a point where things get more sophisticated. You know, but, you know, to be fair, though, even in the 80s and the 70s, for our generation, the people we came up on, they were making lots of records and touring. I don't know. So I guess I, I love to know where the disconnect came, where, like, like I said, it's weird. Rappers made less records, but put more songs on their records from A Tribe Called Quest, Digital Underground, Black Rob, Biggie, Pac. It's, well, well Pac is different because he did make a lot of albums actually. But it's just it's just really interesting. I don't know what happened. It seemed like the whole thing just got kind of changed around. It's really weird. And then the whole Neil Soul thing, they make a big splash, but then they take forever to make a record. So, you know, Maxwell's last record was how many years ago? We won't even talk about D'Angelo. But it's just it's just strange. It's just weird how you get more songs, but less volume of albums in hip hop. Unless you're, I mean, but now if you're Snoop, Too Short, you know, of course that's not for everybody. Or Ice Cube, you know, there are MCs who do have KRS-One, Public Enemy, LL, who have a huge body of work. So that's not everybody, but there just seems to be more MCs with less albums than there are MCs with more. I think I, I don't know, know what happened. Huh? I don't know. You know. All the people you said did a lot of albums. Like Snoop did a lot of albums. Yeah. Drew yes. Down did a lot. Of, a lot of people make up. There's a lot of hip hop art. Jay Z did a hell of albums. Scarface, yes. Ghetto Boys, Willie D. Yes. So I don't know who you who you refer to. Is it 50, to 50? You know, Fifty Cent did a lot of albums. Eminem did a lot of albums. So I, I don't know who you. Ice T did a lot of albums. So. I, I don't know the people I usually listen to. They have a, I have a lot of albums by you know. Like a trap called Quest doesn't have a lot. Daylight has more than Tribe. Yeah, but you talking about even like you, you, But then you talking about like Q-Tip. Jungle Brothers don't have a lot of albums, huh? Yeah, but everybody's not prolific like that. But like even Q-Tip, you know, he's he gets stuck on his his own stuff, so he's his own holdup. But you know, when it yeah. comes out, it's worth it. So yeah, I don't know. It's like yeah, X Clan, they had more than. They have four albums, right? Three or four albums for X Clan. So a lot of, you know, and then you talk about a lot. And then we, yeah, but that's a lot for a group. A lot of groups don't stick around. That's why a lot of solo people got a whole, whole bunch of albums. But 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 in the eighties, when we were coming up, that wasn't the case. People had at least ten records. They're making an album every year or every other year. Eighties, like I don't know when that changed. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, Stevie but they've been around Fred. since the seventies. What do you? They've been around forever. Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's like Stevie Wonder. He's been around forever. That's like Michael Jackson. Been around Prince. They've been yeah. around for a long time. So if they did, if they yeah, around but, in the early I mean, 70s that era, and stuff, then yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, but that decade though, they put they you know they didn't stop making records though. My point. Yeah, but they probably something happened. And you know, and you know, you know the you know hip hop never got the budget that that you're talking about about the people you're talking about. Like they didn't have the backing and money like that. Okay. Yeah. 
you know they didn't have the catalogs and the support and the rotation and the playing and the you know a lot of a lot of our heroes of hip-hop you know they wouldn't played on the radio it was a weird thing it was like contraband you know i remember hearing you know the first nwa on the tape and i was had to play it low because yeah, they were saying yeah, curse too. words like you could say curse words on an album yeah. that was weird yeah. and you talk between about between the police and that was yeah, that was weird they open the door that has the name too short freaky tales i'm in high school like free, what talk about your parents tripping i was tripping i didn't know what <laughs> they're too short coming straight from oakland like what right you know yeah Matt, Matt Gray, too hard for the effing radio he could and he can yeah. even play a song on the radio his, his too hard for the effing radio had a radio edit edit so it could be on the radio so I guess yeah. So they got that from so, Two Live Crew though. Two Live Crew was doing clean versions first, which is interesting. And it ushered a whole new era. You know yeah, right? What, what, what you call it had had clean versions too. NWA had clean, you know, Gangster Gangster, all that stuff. They had that they had clean versions. Yeah, well. that's all after Two Live Crew. Two Live Crew did that first because NWA came after them. But those two groups changed hip hop forever in regards to profanity. What the <laughs> Okay, so Luke Skywalker and all that stuff, they were, so they, how, how far along before uh, NWA? They were a few years before, because uh, with, with uh, Move Something, Me So Horny, all that stuff. Um, that was before NWA. Band in the U.S. Okay. that was all before. Luther Campbell, yeah, he did it. Yeah, two live, I always tell people, in my opinion, two live crew and NWA, Opened the door commercially in hip hop. So were yeah, they before Ice T? Ice T was before NWA. Yes. So two. And he was on the radio. Yeah. Oh, the Ice T. Six in the morning, all that stuff. Until later, though. Remember, his first hit was like Reckless. You know, he wasn't even. You know, he hadn't even found his voice yet. Yeah, but his hit was like Six in the Morning, and that wasn't. That was. That was. That was off of what Power, his first uh, solo album. But his first radio hit was Reckless, doing the whole breaking movement, remember? Yeah, and yeah. Then he, and then he came up with Power, but that was after the live group. But like Harris once said, Ice-T's considered like the John the Baptist of gangster rap. He was an early gangster rap pioneer. He was. Yeah, he was, because yeah. even in the NWA is influenced by that. Even Ice-T yeah, was yeah. influenced yeah, by Yeah, I think Power was before Stroud Accompany. So yeah, then, yeah, so yeah. But even when in NWA, they, 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 got, they were good for what? Two studios and one EP before it all fell apart. Yeah, oh, what did NWA and the Posse? Technically three, three, but NWA and the Posse. People forget about that one. Yeah, but I'm saying technically three. Yeah, yeah. three yeah. studios and one EP. Yeah. Hundred miles wide or something. Yeah. Once I said that's a group. A lot of times groups don't just survive. Just like you know, singing groups don't hardly survive either. You know, that's why you got solo people going solo. Well, that's 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 the newer. I mean, that's later on. But when we, you and I were teenagers, that wasn't the case. But you know, when we got to be towards our twenties, when we get towards the late eighties, no, and early nineties, yeah, it all changed. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I can't count how many albums the Temptations got. I can't even count. Right. You know, so or the four or the four tops or the or the platters or the spinners. Yeah. I mean, but then now also, but you don't even have R&B groups anymore, right now. Yeah, but those kind of groups back then, they were locked in some crazy contracts. All the music was made by other people, and they had a machine, you know, that, that did the music, did the writing, and all that kind of, So that was almost a product anyway. So it could be consistency, and there could be a lot of albums. And a lot of those songs, even back then, even when the Jackson stuff, a lot of those songs sounded alike because of the same producers and stuff. So they didn't start writing their own stuff to maybe Destiny. Triumph, Triumph, definitely. That's when they went along. Yeah, Triumph was a classic. Triumph Triumph and Victory. Maybe right before, but Destiny, maybe after. But blame on the book, you have to take a look and see. But but yeah, no, you're right, though. But those those albums were put together like that on purpose, like I said. So that wasn't (laughs) like, you know, these folks are just doing their own thing and kind of, you know, they that that was. You know, but then stuff just just changes. But but, but Stevie Wonder had to fight too because people were writing songs for him, with the exception of like Fingertips, which was a spur of the moment improv he did. Right. You know, he had to. You know, he got older, then he got control of his own writing. Mm-hmm. So you know, no, and you're right. So the, you know, I mean, but even that, I mean, but I guess you could say Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and Prince, they're the new version of Holland Dozier, Holland, and all that stuff. You know, because I mean, in, in some ways they were, 
So, I mean, so, a songwriting factory. So it makes sense. Yeah, and, I, and that's, uh, that's con contributing to the legacy. But yeah, I mean, between Holland, Dozier Holland, Norman Whitfield, Smokey Robinson, you know, there were, I mean, there were, yeah, songwriting teams. You know, I, Isaac Hayes was a songwriter for Stax before he went solo. So, you know, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, they kind of but, together, but if they're yeah, on their own devices, they probably wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't have been together as long as they, as long as they work. But um, so you're saying the label maintain consistency that you don't the scene anymore. You're right, I didn't think about that, but you're right. That's like, that's yeah. like Marvel movies. <laughs> they're consistent, and, you know, they, you know, they have the same person overseeing and this is what we're making, but, um, but yeah, that, that whole the whole thing with just with the with the music and stuff is a trip. But um, getting back on, on Black Rob, um, that first album was really dope. And I really um, that the life story that was that was a strong start of that album. And yeah, Cheryl Pepsi Riley doing the hook, man. And she's on point, yeah. you know. Thanks for yeah. my child, Cheryl Pepsi Riley. Yes. You know, singing the hook. Yeah, and he had a whole bunch of cool. Um, Duet, so I thought was pretty cool when he had like looking at us with CeeLo and Spot yeah. with Little Kim, yeah. which you mentioned before. Yes. And then Thug Story I, was like a remake of Slick Rick. Slick yes. Rick song and stuff. So it was just. It was the, world, yeah. the world ain't so different now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, it's a great, it's a, you know, it, but he had a great voice, great delivery, great flow. Yeah. I hate that he got so sick. Yeah. I don't know why he had four strokes. Um, I hate that he was in jail when Woe came out. You know, it's just, you know, it's, whew. Like I said, life happens, man. Even yeah, when, it when does. Other it things does. are happening. Guess what? Life still happens. And like I said, success and opportunity doesn't change life for you. You know, yeah. you're, still, you're yeah. still a lot of times still dealing with the same stuff. And, and if you deal with the same mindset, it's going to bring even more of the same stuff if it's not good. So no, it's it, just a funny... It, it, a funny thing, but um, I, I, can I live? Another song I liked by him was um, what, I love you, baby. That was a dope song. Um, I dare yeah. you. I dare you. <laughs> Come save me. I like that. It was dope. Um, yeah, him and Joe Hooker. Um, he was Spanish Fly with Jennifer Lopez. He made a hot album. Yep, yep. And, um, Jasmine with Carl Thomas. I mean, he just. Yeah, I mean. On the second album, he had that song I liked. Um, I think it's called Ready. You know, almost like this drumline beat on it. You know, and that's some stuff I heard later on. You know, that, yep. uh, from other other musicians later, especially like in the South and stuff. You start kind of hearing that big band. Cause even even right now, I have Two Chains. He had like a a song that he got got popular because of using like a big band. And I'm like, you, like Rob had that already. You know, and um, yeah. And it's funny because um, I was thinking about like his flow and his style and his storytelling. Cause like I said, he's a, a straight up storyteller and, he, and his flow is just different. And I was thinking like, man, he reminded me of G Depp cause G Depp was another dude that was on Bad Boys that was just as tight. It's like Bad Boy has some that good people on it. album is amazing. Man. It had some good people on it. And it was funny to be like, man, he reminded me of G Depp. Like, but, then, the album but then I was also realizing that him and G Depp did a, you know, quite a few collaborations together. So I was like, that makes sense because they, you know, they're both strong storytellers. They both got their, their, you know, got that voice and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's yeah, just interesting. On his album too. It, was, it was fire. Yeah. I still yeah, listen to it. Right. I still listen to it. And he yeah, fell into hard times too. He fell into hard yeah. times too. So, I think that's crazy is with G Depp and Black Rob. So, so yeah, they both, they both have, they yeah. both have, you know, issues. And the thing about it and is, the style, so it was Puffy did two, two comps. We invented the remix and, and the saga continues. And Black Rob and G Depp were, I think, were on both those records. And it was hot. It was fire. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they could flow. They could flow. And like I said, and, and like you was mentioning before about the bad boy cursing, I like I like I said, yeah, you know, I don't, the, no, I'm not with that. The the, the 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 curse is, you know, systemic racism, poverty, uh, broken up homes. That's that's the that's the um the curse. Because you know, well, because well, even, well, even, well. even Puffy can't make reality disappear, you know. Now he could give him a bad contract and good promotion, but yeah. he can't he can't make poverty disappear. And so, you're right. So I and thought. Right. 
So even though I think that, you know, he has a lot and he made a lot of money off of a lot of broken black people. I'll say that. But those people was not his responsibility. Not, well, not, exactly. not, to the, not to the level that people are acting like. So even, even though I think that he could have did better by folks, I didn't think it was fair that people jumped on him when, when all this stuff was going no. down with him, you know, with, with Black Rob being in a bad situation and sick and all the other kind of stuff. Like, if he wanted to do that, that's fine. But to be like, you know, like 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 Puffy owed him anything, I didn't think that was cool or right. Um, you gave me two records and you, you released two of my records. You didn't show my second record. Now, what I do after I release those records is on me, not on you. Even if you don't support me, if I go on the road, spread my message, I can make some money. I may not be making Jay-Z money or Drake money, but I still have a way to feed myself. And the fact that people don't do it, that's on them. But like, like I said, I you can't, but like I said, you can't control venues and all the rest of that stuff or your mind. Like even so. if you do smaller clubs, like I said, you know, a, a real fan just want to see you, period. That's all. And to, and to I, me, I think it was that like, easy. More people would be doing it. And I've seen bigger people with bigger successes still struggling. If that was the case, yeah, everybody, if that was but, the case, everybody would be fine. Yes and no, though, Jay, because not enough MCs tour. MCs just don't tour like they should. Some do, and most don't. It's, okay, I, so, 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 you, why do you think most don't? What, what could possibly be the reason? To be honest, laziness. Don't oh. want to. Laziness and arrogance. That, that, that's what that's what they almost say. Yeah. Reason why black men aren't successful. That's the same kind of stuff oh, they say man. for that. That's no. the same. That's no. the same. If you ask somebody like, "How come black people are, are, are you got the talent?" Look, this. No, no, I'm saying. Get, so, so you think ahead. that that's so you don't think that's what they say about black men in general? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, we were all stereotyped. That's a bunch. No, of no, crap. no. But I'm, but I'm saying, if, if they say like, "How come a black person don't have a job?" They would say they. Not even hip hop, but just the job. They would say those exact things. Yeah, you can say that, but that's not where I'm coming from. I'm coming from the fact that, you know, even from my own experiences with interviewing different artists and seeing different people, see a lot. Because, because, let me explain. I guess I'm saying, I guess I'm saying, I guess I'm saying that's not the old. That's not the people say that, but it's more. I believe it's more to it than just that. I guess that's what I'm saying. Let me let me say it to you like this. Let me be more specific then. In my own personal experiences, between interviewing rock and roll groups and hip hop groups who were not mainstream, the biggest difference I saw with that, the rock and roll groups were never afraid to play a small, dingy club or hole in the wall or dive. Um, and that's how they were sustaining themselves. A lot of rappers, even if they were local, a lot of them could be so arrogant, they just assumed because they thought they made a hot record, that they were supposed to be on the radio and that that's all they had to do, that everything else was supposed to come to them. That wasn't all, but that was the impression I got from the people, some of the people that I interacted with versus the local rock and rollers I interacted with or the indie, the indie between the indie rock and the indie hip hop. That's what I saw, a lot of arrogance. Did you see um, that they... In, 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 Mm -hmm. Did you see that the indie hip hop and the, indie, and the indie rock groups? Did you think? Did you think they had the same opportunities to talk or talking to her over the phone? They said, "Well, we'll just do the. We'll, we'll exchange it from email." They were acting like they were main stars, and they weren't. That's just an example of what I'm talking about. But but now, but, but right, rock groups do that too. So so it's not like that's almost like okay so that's like yeah but e the rock do that are usually a lot more mainstream than that a lot more prevalent that i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you from my own plus size experience okay um the alternative whether it was alternative rock or alternative black artists a lot of times they would give me a lot more love than the hip-hop acts some of the hip-hop acts gave me some love but a lot of times it was more of the rock and alternative people um, even when I met Tricky, and I, I showed up and said, hey, this is what I, who I am and what I do. And he said, hey, come on in. Let's have, let's have a talk and interview me. And then, you know, his singer was like, why aren't there more black people at this show? They're from England. They didn't know. We were in Detroit. 
Yeah. You know, Martino's like, well, where's the black people? Like, well, how come, why are you the only one talking to us? They didn't know. But I, but I knew that I would stand out because I'm this big, big ball-headed brother and I wanted to talk to them about their new record, Max and Quay. But my point is that, you know, a lot of the rock groups that I met, some of them, some, some of them were, were snobby, sure, but most of them were not. But my point is, but you know, and, and a lot, I, I got to see them get lost in the sauce from that, from that label. They would get dropped. Uh, the rap artists would get dropped. But my point being is that it seemed like it was just a different type of attitude when it came to a grassroots movement, when it came to doing the live shows. A lot of those rock and roll, I think one of the reasons why 90s rock did last as long as it did was because those people were willing to play any and everywhere. Whereas rappers, some of them were, but a lot of them weren't. And so, a lot of them they were stars when they weren't yet. Well, for me and my experience in the Bay Area, the reason why they blew up is because they did do the work and nobody would let them in from it not being in a record store. So they would sell them out of liquor stores or their trunk of their cars. So, you know, I, I never seen rappers kind of like, I've seen them making opportunities that I know opportunities. You know, I, I just debate, maybe, you know, maybe it's a Bay thing, but I, I didn't see and, too many people. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it is a Bay. And, 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 and I remember, and I remember the shows being canceled because they didn't want all those black folks showing up, you know? It's okay for the venue until people show up, and then the venue is canceled. And I, I remember seeing I remember seeing E40 in the Click at Solano College in their little uh, cafeteria area because nobody else would let them be inside of a club. I should have to see E40 not... in the Click in Solano County at, at, at the at the college. And now they would beg for them to come through. Now so, they but, but I'm just saying. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, so right, so though, so though. nobody's waiting for they were waiting for no radio out here. They were waiting for so, no clubs so, and, and stuff like that out. Here. So, brother, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that. Ain't no lazy the rappers I see out here like that, tripping like that. Now, now, everybody not be, might have a strong grind like some of these folks, but you know, no, you'll see people on street corners slanging them like they were slanging drugs. They'd be out there slanging you. CDs and, 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 and records and stuff, and they wasn't playing. And Jason, I'm glad you mentioned that because the Bay Area is a whole different, unique beast, and you are 5,000% correct. The Bay Area is beautiful when it comes to, to hip hop and how people support each other. That grassroots movement, Detroit never had that with hip hop. That's all I've seen out here. So never that's had why, that's why you said that. I'm like, I don't know about too many people never just decided. Had so it's no. so it's like an alien, what you're talking about, it's like an alien alien world to Detroit. Dilla had his clique, his crew. He had Frank and Dank and Fat Cat and Slum Village. Um, and then, of course, Eminem with D12 and Obi Trice, but that that was it. That was it, and that was still their click. It was very clickish, and you know, and, and they they did what they did for their people, and, and that worked. Detroit's never had what the Bay Area has. But the Bay Area rap movement is actually unique, intriguing, and very special, very special. Because you're right, that, but. So you had a whole different hip hop world experience than what we had over in the Midwest and in the East Coast. You had a whole different experience. But I think what you had was cool because you're right. You know, E-40, The Click, uh, Paris, D-Dot, Autumn Cats, Mac Maul, uh, Matt Dre. That's, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Drew Down. Drew Down. What's the Dangerous Dame, Bill Manor yeah. Posse, Coo Nut. Uh, uh, yeah, what's the other? What's his name? Mr. Fab, all that, all them cats. Yeah. Uh, like Jay Stalin. That's all. All those cats was like family. So, it, you know, coming out here and moving to Cali and moving to the Bay Area, that was like foreign to me. All I knew of was Digital Underground, The Coup in Paris, mm. and, you know, and MC Hammer. In the Oak Town's 357. That's what I knew coming from Detroit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, short. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and too short. You know, I didn't know about this extensive Bay Area hip hop family that was created, that flourished, that there was, um, y'all actually defied mainstream radio and made it happen. E40 became a millionaire in California without being mainstream. Exactly. So that's, that's <laughs> nothing but respect and props for that. For Too Short, we knew about Life is Too Short. I didn't know nothing else. Mm, <laughs> I knew about that record. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah. you know, but respect to all to all of them, all of them. The Bay so, Man. I'm trying yeah, to tell you. You were privileged, man. You got to you got some special sauce right there, man. I ain't gonna I can tell you right now. You know, I I would love for the Detroit hip hop scene to be like the Bay Area scene. It's it's still not. You know, Eminem and Jay Dilla can only do so much. And they did what they did for their people and it worked to an extent, but that but that was a small circle. But what like you said, talking about? Not too, but yeah. but like I said, laziest and lazy um, MCs in the Bay. Like I said, it, it's crazy. Like I said, back in the day, you'd always see somebody trying to you know sell weed or whatever. I would see more people trying to slang their CD and their tape. Actually, it was their tape back then than I would them slinging drugs, which is good anyway. But I think it, that's awesome. And yeah, I, I saw some it. of them too. They moved out here. I saw some of it too. Yeah, it I did. So no, I can I, I can I can appreciate that. So. So we come from two different, you know, uh, uh, hip hop local worlds, really. It's just like night and day. Now I'm gonna tell you, Jay, that Bay Area hip hop scene, that's the only scene to my knowledge like that in this country. Maybe the South They don't, they don't, they don't hustle know. like that in New York. I feel like New York would be, be, be on their grind about stuff like that. I haven't been to New York enough times to really I think know. The gold, I, I think the golden age had that. But I think the golden age was the first frontier and they're laying down the foundation. I think New York is a little bit different because they That's laid true. down the foundation. And they, actually, and, and, and they actually had the machine first. there and they actually had the infrastructure yes. there and we yes. couldn't get, we couldn't be a part of it. So we made our own, cause we couldn't right. get in. And, so. but, but now the funny thing is though, is the early hip hop uh, stars were on indie labels, Tommy Boy, with, uh, well, they Lime. made the label a lot of times. Right, right, right. Or brought them back. UTFO yeah. on UTFO on Select Records and Full Force. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these are labels I never heard of. Uh, Run DMC on Profile Records. Yeah. So Too short I mean, on so Jive. Yeah, the Jive RCA. But yeah, so they, they they had some indie labels, but you know we didn't necessarily know about all that. But yeah, but New York's a little bit different of a beast because they they you know they. They laid all that foundation, and then everybody else ran and did their thing off of it. You know, to be fair. So, but even now, to me, New York is you know. But they, in the '90s, New York got clickish. They got clickish too, eventually. It happened outside yeah. of the native tongue. You know, and they got clickish. They did. Well, good people of the planet Earth and the known universe. Uh, just to add some more to this Black Rob tribute uh, podcast episode, uh, there's some corrections. Um, actually, in regards to Ice-T, his first solo album was Ryan Page. And that album came out in 1987. So, but Ice-T's first uh, foray into hip-hop was actually with Reckless, off of the groundbreaking, phenomenal breaking uh, movie and breaking soundtrack in 1984. So the first time we heard Ice-T commercially speaking was Reckless in 1984 off the breaking soundtrack. And then he resurfaced three years later with Ryan Page's classic album. That's his first solo album. And then Power was after that, so I was wrong. Ryan Page is Ice-T's first solo album, 1987. And that came out the same year as uh, NWA's uh, actual first album, which was like a compilation called NWA and the Posse, that precedes Straight Outta Compton. And that album also came out in 1987. But that one was in. Uh... So Ice T's Ryan Page came out July 1987. And NWA's NWA and the Posse, the compilation album that preceded uh, Straight Outta Compton, came out. I believe November 1987 and Two Live Crew's first album was called Two Live Crew is What We Are they preceded Ice-T well they preceded Ryan Pays and NWA uh, their album came out in 1986 so yeah, Two Live Crew is What We Are came out in 1986 and you know Luther Campbell 
on his own record label. It was at the time called Skywalker Records. And then I believe he got sued <laughs> from Mr. George Lucas, I believe. And he had to change it to Luke Records. But yeah, so that's the, chrono- the chronology of, you know, the shift and change in hip hop. Um, especially when it came to like uh, gangster rap and profanity. Two Live Crew weren't really gangsters, but they were kings of profane rap and comedy and humor. And between, so 86 and 87 was a pivotal year in regards to uh, that door being open uh, with profanity and hardcore. Uh, because Two Live Crew was still, you know, they were humorous with the profanity and the comedy, but I guess that's also considered hardcore as well, the subject matter. Um, sex can be considered hardcore, of course. And then, you know, uh, the gangster aspect of it, the violent aspect of it with the NWA and Ice-T. So, so there you go. Just wanted to mention that to you in this Black Rob uh, tribute and the conversation that Jay and I were having. Well, good people of the planet Earth and known universe, this is the, so this is part one of the Black Rob uh, Shock G tribute. Um, hope you had a good time listening. No, I know we did. And until next time, see you somewhere out in space. I just wanted to say that the reason why our conversation, Jay and I's conversation, veered off during our Black Rob tribute, and we were talking about the consistency and inconsistency of uh, MCs in the rap game and whether they make two or four records and disappear or whether they're making a lot of records is because I just wanted to speak about my frustration in that regard with Black Rob. Like, I didn't realize until after he died that he actually made four albums and not the two that I already had. Uh, you know, so Life Story, The Black Rob Report, Game Tested, Streets Approved, and Genuine Article. And the thing is, is, is that was, as we were talking about earlier in the, in the episode, you know, a lot of times rappers will make, put out more songs on an album, but less records. So there might be 20 songs on their record, but they only may have two to four records total. And it's just, it's just frustrating and strange because uh, growing up as a kid, like, like I was saying earlier in the podcast, that wasn't the case. You know, your favorite artist a lot of time had an album out every year or every other year. And yeah, some of those people had already been a decade in, but whether they were already in for a decade or not, they had that consistency. So, and then you had other artists who weren't around for a decade who were just consistent that way. So it was just sad because Black Rob is a talented MC, was and is a talented MC, dope, amazing voice, great storyteller. Robert Ross, a.k.a. Black Rob, you will be missed dearly. Uh, and it, I wish I would have had a chance to see him live. Uh, I wish I would have had a chance to see him perform his whole catalog and make more records. Because he, being on Bad Boy, you know, under that shadow of Biggie, that's, you know, and for you to be able to be on your own and have your own voice and do your own thing and have it work, you know, stand on your own. And Black Rob did stand on his own. Uh, that's that's incredible, and that just shows how talented he was and is as an MC. So Black Rob, uh, once again, rest in rest in peace. Uh, you will be missed. Uh, your art will live on. You had great music. Uh, Life Story is a classic. The Black Rob Report. I mean, that's, that's a great album too. Thank you for all the music that you gave us. <laughs>